millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, PM, thanks for giving us your time on Spotlight. Budget in nine days, you've been through a few. Mm. This one's a very important one. What can we expect? Well, you're right, it's very important. It's arguably one of the most important since the Second World War. The country, the world has not seen what we're seeing right now. Um, the world economy is expected to uh, shrink by about 4.5% this year. To put that in perspective, during the GFC, it shrunk by 0.1%. Right. So these are quite unprecedented times. And of course, this budget um, has been cast to, re- to reflect that. And the budget, of course, needs to provide that, that shock, shock absorbing, to cushion the blow, as we've said, which we've been doing since the mm. pandemic first hit. But then it's also about recovering the lost ground. And we've seen a lot of that ground recover uh, already some 760,000 jobs and, and uh, jobs where people were reduced to hours to zero. They've, mm. they've come back. Mm. But then it's about the growth beyond that. Mm. Um, Australians won't just get through this. We want them to get through it and set them up for another you know, decades and decades of prosperity, which is what we've just been through. So that's the task of the budget, and it's jobs first. Jobs first, second, third, uh, based on a strong health plan. An unprecedented challenge, mm-hmm. so we're going to see unprecedented spending, unprecedented investment, you might call it, yes. in this budget? Yeah, of course. And, but with, with two important, um, I think, uh, principles. The first is, because of the size of the challenge that we have, of course, it's the, the budget spending is going to be significant, and it is investment in protecting the Australian economy and rebuilding it. Mm. But the way we will be able to pay this back, and I know a lot of Australians will be thinking about that as we go into this budget. Yeah, you know, that's a that's a lot of it's that's a lot of debt. Yeah, two hundred billion in deficit. What a trillion trillion plus debt. That's an amazing amount of money. This this will put a significant load on Australia. But the way you pay that back is not by increasing taxes and not by taking away the guarantee on essential services. We want a lower taxing environment so the Australian economy can grow. The way you pay this back, the way you get Australia back on track, whether it's on the budget or elsewhere, and jobs in particular, is you've got to grow your economy. I mean, one of the ways we were able to bring the budget back into balance before this hit, there were many things we did. We were tight on spending control, all of those things, of course. But we got people back into jobs, 1.5 million people getting back into jobs. When you take someone from being on a benefit yeah. and you turn them into someone who's on a, in a job paying taxes, yeah. that's how you fix your budget. Yeah. And the same will be true post you, this. You fix lives and you fix families as well. It that's changes right. lives. And, that, yeah. and, that's, it, that's it, it. and it reduces the demand on, on many other social services yeah. as well when you get people in jobs. That's why having someone a job is the centre of the plan. 
Funny you should mention low taxes because mm. that's a common theme among a lot of the people we're talking to. Mm. I'll start I'll rattle through a few of the ideas that we've had. Alan Joyce, obviously, he, he talks to your book on the borders. He wants them open as soon as possible mm. to get uh, tourism firing again, which mm. has so many on benefits mm. to other industries, service industries, supply industries. If you were in control of the borders, they would be open now, wouldn't they? And, and Melbourne maybe would be in lockdown, but that'd be it. Well, the, the, the border between New South Wales and Victoria and South Australia was the one that we were directly involved in. Yeah. And the reason for that, I think, was fairly obvious. Now, I, in the Federation, you've got to work with all the team members. Yeah. So they'll make their decisions, but I've always said they need to make them in a way that is transparent, that doesn't have double standards, that mm. is based on the medical advice and balances that with the need of the economy. Now, I've just got back from South Australia. Um, mm. They've made that decision. That yeah. is worth about and 800... And people streamed in. They, the planes were full. <laughs> they'll be, that'll be worth about almost $800 million to the South Australian economy mm. for um, New South Wales residents and Canberra residents to be able to go to, to South Australia. Yeah. So there's an obvious opportunity, but it's got to be done safely. Mm. Um, I, I think people in Australia, where, in states where there have been borders, uh, have appreciated the sense of security that they feel that's afforded yeah. them. Yeah. But that is, that is not a, a, a sustainable solution forever. Mm. And so eventually they will come down, and uh, not before time, I think mm. it's fair for me to say diplomatically, and, and they'll make those decisions. And when they do, if they do it safely, then that will mean that they can restore their economies and get the jobs back. International travel bubbles, New Zealand before Christmas? Yes, I believe so. Uh, Japan and South Korea possible? Look, I, I've already had some discussions with the, the Japanese Prime Minister and I had with the previous one as well. Yep. And I think if we get it next year, and it is our hope that we'll have a vaccine, and we've invested the 1.7 billion to make sure that yep. Australians would have that. But into next year, um, if that is not the case, uh, then we do have to think about you know, several years where you have to live with this virus in that way. Yep. And to not have international travel in that environment would, I don't think, be a sustainable proposition. Um, and there are many new technologies that are coming up. Now, Greece, for example, uses an algorithm based on where people have been um, over a previous period of time mm. to determine effectively where they're triaged into what lane and whether they go into isolation so or they get red tested. red and the green and the blue all or of the, So there are a lot of different ways that mm. I think countries are... Because they all know that too. Yeah. We would have to come to some sort of safe arrangement. Mm. And I think there's... Well, there's a lot of work being put into that. But for now, I think the New Zealand and the, and the Pacific mm. um, and, uh, of course, countries that have had great success, and yeah. I, I would include Japan, South Korea... Uh, when, when do you see that? Uh, look, I think there's a lot more work to be done on those other countries. I think mm. with New Zealand, I think we're very close. Mm -hmm. Very, very Christmas close. Christmas holidays in New Zealand? Oh, I would think so, so, certainly. That's more up to New Zealand government. Yeah. Um, more importantly for the Australian economy, uh, plenty of Kiwis coming to Australia. Yeah, <laughs> they like it here. Yeah. A couple of other ideas. Gina Reinhart, um, she says that more needs to be done to encourage business investment and innovation in the budget. You'll see that. You'll definitely see that. And not just to encourage that investment, but the whole plan we've got for the recovery and the growth of the economy into the future is, is that it's just not about trying to stimulate the economy in the here and now. Mm. It, just last week and, and uh, leading up to that time, our, our energy plan, mm. which is a, a job-making plan because it's about reliable, affordable energy, and if you want to have a successful manufacturing industry in this country, particularly advanced manufacturing, mm. then fuel costs, yep. energy costs, are critical to that. 
And that's why gas is a transition fuel as, as well as a feedstock for yeah. manufacturing business. This is so important. And so you will see us, I think, get more focused in, in the advanced manufacturing area, what we're already doing in defence industry. Mm -hmm. um, I was just down yesterday at Osborne. That mm -hmm. is the most advanced technologically able shipyard in the world. Yeah. And that was built in just over two years' time. It's cost over half a billion dollars, and it's going to that one in particular was uh, is building the, uh, the the nine frigates at forty five billion. So, we make things in Australia, and we're going to keep making things in Australia. And our plan in the budget will demonstrate that. Okay, so tick innovation, tick investment. Luke Mangan, the rest restaurateur, a lot of restaurants um, works with Virgin, works yeah. with Pino. He says payroll tax is a killer. I know it's a state issue. Yeah, it is. It's a mess. They have different rates in different states. Some mm. of them have given exemptions. Some of them are delaying the payments mm. and some are you know, waiving them. Mm. What do you want to see happen on payroll tax? Well, I'd like to see less burden on businesses because that means more jobs. That's not about businesses. It's actually about the people they employ. Mm. And, and payroll tax and is obviously a tax on jobs. Absolutely. Now, that is a state responsibility. And uh, Phil Lowe, the Governor of the Reserve, made, made it pretty clear when he came to see National Cabinet that uh, the Commonwealth, over 15% of our, the size of our economy, has been invested in stimulating, supporting, growing our economy. Mm. The states at present are just around about 2.5%. Now, mm. he suggested there needed to be about another $40 billion yep. worth of effort coming out of mm. the states and territories. And uh, you know some of them, like Western Australia, is saying they'll be in surplus. So there's, mm. there's room for, I think, states to move in this area. Mm. And it's not just on infrastructure. Mm. I think it is also on tax. I mean, this idea that the Commonwealth has to pay the states to do what they should be doing. I don't buy into that. Well, that's what the GST was about, surely. Well, that was a huge part of what that was about. And there is certainly, obviously, GST revenues have been hit, just like income tax revenues have been hit. Mm. But states have a role in the economy. Of course, they acknowledge that. Mm. And uh, ensuring that their taxes uh, are not penalising employment mm. is a critical thing, particularly. And look, many of them have provided some some exemptions, and um, yep. some of them done deferrals. I, mm -hmm. I prefer uh, waivers rather than deferrals, mm -hmm. um, because that will support business better. We 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 haven't done deferrals. We've provided tax cuts mm -hmm. um, and direct support and subsidies and assistance. Mm -hmm. And so there's there's more for the states to do there. And and. Right. Uh, and we would encourage them to do that, as has the Reserve Bank Governor. It's good that you uh, prefer waivers over deferrals, because mm. Kate Carnell says there should be an FBT holiday, mm. fringe benefits tax holiday, to fire up hospitality, and uh, and that would work down the supply chain, all those small businesses that work in that area, and the restaurants and, and the catering industry. Well, Possible? We'd argue we're already achieving this through the other tax measures we're doing with business. Now, look, there, there are some things that um, you know are necessary to change in a, in a crisis like this, but. I, look, I think taxpayers' funds being used for businesses, business executives to have long lunches. Gets, I, it's, it, it, it's not great. It gets money through the tills. Well, we know look, it's effective in that I, way. There I, are other ways to do it. I, I think that is something you know, okay. we, we've always balked at and, yep. and for the right reasons. I think taxpayers would too. But that's not to say. I mean, all of those businesses today, uh, we've announced $100 million to support regional tourism businesses yep. and regional tourism attractions. So there's mm. many ways we have to support the hospitality industry because mm. they've been the, the, those most affected. But the thing that will most help them is opening up yeah, right. and having COVID-safe uh, arranged, which would mean we can open up our economy more. They will benefit more from that. You can't, you can't control that, though. But no. Here's a question. Is, do you think there's, there's any enthusiasm for a referendum, if it's needed, to cede the state powers and borders to the Commonwealth? No, I don't think so. I think Australians, 
as, as much as the federation frustrates them. And it would make it easy for a prime minister. Well, I'm sure it would. But, uh, and it, it frustrates premiers from time yeah. to time. It frustrates prime ministers. Uh, at the same time, I think Australia likes its checks and balances on each other. Mm. And, uh, and they like to keep the tension in that cord. Mm. I think they always want us to work together, though. Yeah. And I think they always mark us down um, when we're not doing that. And I think during this crisis, they've seen a bit of both. I mm. think particularly early on. But be fair, in the early part of the crisis, we were all in the same place. We were all yeah. in the same place of, of the unknown. Yeah. And uh, all the states and territories and myself, we came together in the national interest. Now, as time has gone on, yeah. states and territories find themselves in different stages. Yeah. Some can move more quickly. Some, like Victoria, have been hit very hard. Yeah. And so once you start getting down that track, the consistency in the positions sometimes could actually work against states. So. Yeah. I, I, I've always sought to try and keep them together and stay away from the politics, and mm. I think by and large that has happened. But you know, uh, from time to time, there's going to be the be the odd uh, disagreement. Gigi Fox Foster, the uh, economist, wants the super uh, guarantee increase shelved. Says there's no time to impose mm. high costs on business, and it's a yeah. job killer. Well, that doesn't come in till July of next year, That's so right. I think there's plenty of time between now and then to I think better assess that. And, uh, Maybe an announcement in the next budget well, in May? The Reserve Bank Governor has also made yep. the same point about yep. it, uh, and a lot of economists um, have made that same point. But what we tried to do during the crisis, Mark, is, is give ourselves the time to wait for the more information. I mean, we could make a decision now, the environment in three months could be completely different with mm -hmm. how the virus is, is operating. And, and you know, we saw that coming into the end of June. We were hoping to be fully open in July. Uh, we had a second wave in Victoria and that was a massive setback and we had to adjust things. So, look, th there are plenty of issues out there and, and what I will do is be, be patient um, but uh, not delay. Um, and I think you've got to get the right balance. And for that decision, mm. um, I mean, that won't come in until um, next July. So there's, I think, plenty of time to keep considering those at issues the and see how the economy is. Well, at the moment, it's not something I, I think we need to decide right now. Okay, Robert, but I'm aware of the arguments. And yeah. Those arguments are, are well made. Paul Keating has another argument. The bloke who used to live here. Yes, he, he, Paul had, a, had put it pretty very strongly. Very passionate. But I, I must have, I, I think uh, the Reserve Bank Governor is a... Uh, I think he's done a tremendous job, and the bank has done it. I mean, putting aside the issue of the SGL, which I think might have been what fired Paul up, mm. um, he's passionate about that issue, fair enough. But I think in any suggestion that the Reserve Bank uh, hasn't um, been acting in the national interest or doing its share of the heavy lifting, I would, I would strongly disagree with. I, they've been a total partner in working with us. Uh, to get Australia through yeah, this. He, he gave them quite a whack. Um, Robert Clark, uh, a real estate expert, saying he's concerned that when JobKeeper comes off in March, there may be a, a, a rush of uh, foreclosures, that people may hit the wall. No, look, I don't agree with that. And, and because we've phased it out, um, we will go into the next transition and the budget will have uh, new measures and, and different measures, I think, that will mm. keep the support in the economy and, and, and move us from not just job keeping but job making and mm. that's really I think the, the, uh, the next phase that we okay. move into not just recovering those jobs but mm. creating new jobs I mean as I said some 760,000 come back um, in, in actual on the measured unemployment I mean more than half of the jobs that have come back have been for women about 60 yep. percent and there's been a good chunk that have been for young people yeah, the important part of up. the budget yep. has will be about making sure we're getting young people in those jobs mm. now the reason for that is you go through a recession and this recession is not, not like this COVID recession is not like 
what we've seen before. Mm. I mean, it happened in, in a couple of weeks. Yeah. These things usually take sometimes years. It's writing its own rules. Exactly. It? So you can't just apply all the same responses mm -hmm. and think the economy is going to react in the same way. Mm -hmm. But one of the things we have to be careful of, particularly for young people, is if you find yourself out of work in your early 20s, mm -hmm. and if you find yourself on welfare, there's a great risk you'll stay on it unless mm -hmm. you are back into a job. And so it is a big priority of mine and the Treasurer's, Josh's, to ensure that we get these young people back into work as quickly as we can. And that's why job training was a huge part of what we yeah. announced. I mean, that, that is a billion dollar partnership with the states mm. that's got 340,000 extra training places this year, right now, this year. And that's gonna be important for school leavers. We're, we're, we're very worried about school leavers coming out at the end of the year, mm -hmm. looking into a year, maybe not as many jobs, not as many jobs around. What were they going to do? Well, we want to get them a skill, get them a trade, mm. um, all these sorts of things. Yep. And uh, that's why that's there. Okay, a couple of more issues to, to go to. This is all, I guess, predicated on a vaccine being available early next year, hopefully. Mm. Yep. What's your best guess now? Where are we at on a vaccine? Well, th that hasn't changed. I mean, that's our hope. Yeah. Um, there's, I don't think you can say with any certainty that though that will be the case. I mean, uh, the, the trials are proceeding well. Are you getting updates on those trials yeah. we don't know about? Yeah, no. Are well, they good? Are they? The, I mean, the health minister Greg Hunt, you know, shares those as, yeah. as we know them. Yeah. There are no great secrets. Well, what there. sense are you getting though? You're obviously talking to this. Well, it's, we're in, the, we're in the, that, that stage of the trials where it, it's either going to work or it's not. Mm. Um, and you just got to be. We're waiting at mm. the moment. We're patient. I am pleased to see though the, unit, the UQ vaccine that's mm -hmm. going well. Yeah. Um, so we've got you know two major vaccine. Uh, uh, shots in the locker there, yeah. but not just that. We, I mean, we've also invested in the COVAX yep. initiative, which is a, a global. And you want the club. US in it? Sorry, do you want the US in COVAX? Oh, the more more players in it, the better. Um, it's a big player. It's it, exactly. But you know, I made the point the other day uh, when I had the address to the United Nations General Assembly. Yep. Whoever finds this vaccine has to share it. Mm. I don't care who it is. Mm. They find, we find it, yep. the Kiwis find it, yep. um, the Americans, um, or the Chinese, but it has the Vietnamese. Or properly tested for all the integrity before it goes out in the market. We don't want vaccines dumped on the market. We want proven, tested, reliable vaccines. Mm. Um, that's what we want. And in a country like Australia, we would always ensure that. Yeah. But I also want to see proven, tested vaccines that um, people in Indonesia can be confident about. Yeah. Um, or in, in, well, we'll be supporting our Pacific Island family, but whether that's in Cambodia or Africa or, or other parts of the world, mm. every human being um, should have the same certainty about the vaccine that they're receiving. John Brogdon, um, whom I know you know well. Yeah. Uh, raises a really good issue. He's worried, obviously deeply worried about mental health mm. and he's also worried about a second phase. So when we're through this crisis and yeah. maybe we're through the, the, the COVID crisis, the coronavirus crisis, that we'll end up with a mental health crisis, mm. a pandemic in his words. What he's looking for is a couple of things, but actions on the behalf of government, a national fund mm. for mental health to coordinate funding to areas where it's um, most needed. What do you think about that? Well, there's a couple of stages here. I mean, in last year's budget, there was three quarters of a billion, um, which we invested in mental health for exactly this reason, and about half a billion of that was around suicide prevention. And yeah. John had a, you know, an important role to play, as we, yeah. and as did Lucy, who yeah. <laughs> chairs yeah. the Mental yeah. Health Commission. Awful stories at the moment up in uh, the North Shore of Sydney oh, about there are. clusters of suicide in young kids. I mean, that's just... And, and sadly, they're not new stories. Mm. Um, these clusters have occurred. That's one of the things that Headspace has been so effective mm. in actually countering. Um, but just to go to your yep. point, so there's three quarters of, of a billion that has already been rolled out now. Christine Morgan, who's the mm -hmm. uh, National Suicide yep. Prevention um, 
uh, advisor to myself, yep. but also the, the chief executive of the Mental Health Commission. Yep. She has made the same point as John. Mm. And, uh, and she has made the point that, yes, we will have a pandemic and that will have its, its stresses, its mental health stresses in the moment. Mm. But there is also a mental health um, risk as a legacy that flows from this. And yep. she's right about that. Mm. So her report comes to me, uh, the final report by the end of this year, mm. which is on suicide prevention. There is also the Productivity Commission report, yep. which we are now in receipt of, and there will be a response to that. Mm. There's also the Royal Commission in Victoria, mm -hmm. and Premier Andrews and I have been discussing that for some time, yeah. about working together and about how we respond to that. So I'd say to John, and he'd know this because he's, I know he's found us very responsive when it comes to support, whether it's for health um, Headspace or Lifeline, Lifeline or yep. Kids Helpline or any of these programs, that that gives us a very strong basis, I think, to um, put in place the, the necessary supports and systems for mental health at both the state and a federal level, and we'll have to do it together mm. um, because it's, it's what happens in hospitals, it's what happens in primary health care, it, mm. it happens right across the health system. And uh, so I think we're heading in the right direction there, but I, I have no doubt we're going to have to do more, like in aged care. Yeah. These will be the big, um, the big things that will um, really impact on the budget along with disability. So that's why I say the way back is, is not to walk away from guarantees on essential services, quite the contrary. Mm. I mean, one of the reasons you invest in mental health or in disabilities for care for that matter mm. is actually good for the economy. Yeah. It, it enables people to participate, to be involved and yep. not become um, overwhelmed mm. um, by whatever uh, malady afflicts them. Yeah, okay, couple of, uh, well, final issue. John and Kelly Jensen, we've spoken to some mm. Australians, real Australians. John's mm. a trucker, he lost his job, mm. he's um, through COVID. Uh, and Kelly is a uh, receptionist. She's lost her job. She's on JobKeeper. They can't meet their mortgage repayments. They're looking like they're going to end up sleeping rough. You must hear these stories all the time. What hope, what confidence, what um, positive message can you give to people like John and Kelly and others who are doing it tough? Well, the hope I can give them is, is the hope I think they have and has been demonstrated in their resilience. I mean, Australia... We had a 7% fall in the size of our economy in June, and that's devastating. Uh, the last time we had a, f the second largest fall was 2% in 1974. Um, but even at 7%, and that's a hard blow, in the UK it's over 20%, in New Zealand it's over 12%, um, in you know, other European economies over 15%. Australia has been cushioning the blow as best as we can, but that doesn't mean that there are those who have still had a very heavy blow. Mm. But Australia's path out, I believe, is stronger than almost any other developed economy in the world. I think we are putting ourselves in a position to recover, as I said, 760,000 jobs back already. Mm. More to go of the 1.3 million we lost. Mm. More to go, but that, that ambition and that focus on growth, whether it's in manufacturing, whether it's, you know, we just put over $200 million into fuel security, liquid fuel security in this country, getting the gas out from under the ground and getting it piped into manufacturing plants so they make things, whether they're building ships in Adelaide or, or, what, or you know, cyber technology um, materials in Melbourne. Um, these things, I think, will get our economy moving forward again. Mm. So it is, a, it is a time for those who have both been most hardly hit for us to continue to provide the support, which we are. I mean, we doubled JobSeeker. Mm. Um, it will remain on elevated levels for some time to come yet. Um, and then we've had JobKeeper in place, which goes till the end of March. It doesn't finish. Is that yet. a hard cut off, end of March? Well, if there's uh, we, no we, vaccine and people are still we, out of work? Again, 
will make decisions about those things close so they to might, that they, time. If, oh, if I, I don't want to mislead people on that. Yeah. It's there till the end of March. Yeah. And what you'll see in the budget is a vote of confidence in the Australian economy. Right. What you'll see in the budget is a vote of confidence in Australians and their resilience and their enterprising nature. And that they, working together, will lift our economy out of the, the heavy blow that has suffered. And that will give people hope. The hope is in, in the growth that delivers the jobs. Yep. And uh, so by putting jobs front and centre of everything we're doing, every, everything that goes across my desk at the moment, there are two things I look at. Jobs and ensuring that we maintain the health platform that delivers the jobs. Because the two have to go together in a pandemic. Mm. I mean, it's not just about having low numbers of cases. Mm. There are other countries have, who've had lower numbers of cases than us. New Zealand, for example, mm. they had a 12.2% fall in their economy. Mm. We had a 7% fall. So our, our approach has always been to balance, get the balance right. And when you look at that, Australia um, has fared better than almost any other country in the world. There'd only be South Korea, and I noticed their case numbers have, have shot up again, Taiwan, and Norway, Norway yeah. um, in terms of developed economies. Mm. Mm. Of course, China's had a positive rate of growth, and mm. a few other developed economies yeah. have too. But yeah. Australia, I'd rather be here than anywhere else, Mark. That's the hope I give to Australians. And I, I, I'm sure all Australians would agree that they'd rather be in Australia than anywhere else too. Yeah, I'm sure that's true. Uh, Bruce Chapman, the, the, the architect of HEX, is mm. talking about a, a scheme where the government might provide loans up to $4,000 to people who are in extreme circumstances that they'll be able to pay back once they hit income thresholds. It's just the, the, the HEX repayment model, 1% mm. of incomes. Attractive? But that's not something we, we've looked at. We've got, looked at... Uh, 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 loan models in drought support in the, in the past, and they, and they still continue, bushfires and so on. But this would be for and average Australian this. families. Well, I mean, the good th well, that's one of the reasons why um, we took the decisions this week to make sure that credit continues to flow in the mm. economy. Mm. I mean, the, the, the red tape that had been put around lending in this country um, was going to prove a major impediment to our economy growing again. And so that's why we took the decision. Interest rates are going to remain low for, for mm. quite a long period of time. Yeah. Um, and people should only borrow when they can pay it back. Mm. This is why we doubled JobSeeker. This is why we provided people with access to the, their own money in their superannuation. Mm. Uh, this is why we, we had JobKeeper in place and all of these supports um, so people um, would get that lifeline. Mm. And that lifeline has been successful. So as we go from sort of JobKeeper uh, to JobMaker, uh, that's the transition, I think, in this in this budget. I mean, we've been we've been weathering the storm, and the storm mm. is still there in yeah. many respects. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, we're through the worst of it now. I think we have mm. been in Victoria. The Victorians have flattened that curve again. Well done. Uh, a lot of uh, heartache getting there mm. uh, along the way, but that 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 is almost now achieved. And I think with that in place, all the other states and territories, I think, in very good shape when it comes to their suppression of the virus. And as the economy continues to open up, I hope by the time we sit down at Christmas, we'll be looking at a 2021 that looks remarkably better than the terribly difficult year we've had mm -hmm. in 2020. Let's hope we do. I'm just thinking as we're sitting here, a lot of prime ministers have been in this place. They've been through wars mm. and depressions. You know, you think of Curtin's and, mm. and Menzies and, and Howard. You must feel that sense of responsibility. This is pretty much a war, isn't it? It, it, is, it is unprecedented, and, and every Prime Minister confronts the challenges of their time. The challenges of this time, I think, are right up there with yeah. many of those that you've mentioned. 
I mean, the, a prime minister I often think of is, uh, is Joseph Lyons, Lyons, who lives yeah. in this very house with his yeah. young family terrorising around the gardens <laughs> and I imagine running up and down those stairs and uh, with, with Dame Edith. And uh, he was dealing with the depression mm. and, and a world heading to war. Mm. Um, and you know, he served the country, I think, enormously well. But, but one thing Joe Lyons, I notice, always did, he was always an optimistic character. And he always tried to keep us in touch with Australians as he possibly could. Mm. And uh, it was a different time. Um, but uh, whether you're sitting in this chair or anywhere else in Australia at the moment, we've all got our challenges. I'll, 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 I'll keep doing my bit. We've all got to carry our own loads. And, and for those who are unable, we've got to help them. Good on you. Thanks very much, Peter. Thanks, Mark.